Good morning. I know Pete mentioned this when he welcomed us a little earlier, but it is really great to have you with us. So thank you so much for coming and spending some time with us today. We're going to continue our worship now by spending some time exploring the Bible together. Uh, In the run-up to this morning, as part of my preparation time, and something I look to do often uh, will be going walking. I find it gives me time and space to pray, to listen to God, to think upon the verses that I'm going to be speaking on. And often it is very um, useful, very fruitful time for me. But something strange happened on my walk this week. Now, life is mysterious at times. Life has its mysteries. Just the other day, I opened one of our cupboards and found myself pondering on why are there always significantly more Tupperware lids than there are pots? I have no answer for that. One possible theory I've heard is that, you know, those socks that seem that, that seem to disappear from the washing machine. The theory is, is that they actually have turned into excess lids. So that solves the two mysteries, the mysteries of the, the missing socks and the excess lids. But I'll have to leave that one with you. You can decide what you want to do with that. Uh, But on my walk, there was something of an air of mystery about it. I'd been walking by the creek. It's fairly open. It's just one path uh, where I was. And I was going at a fairly slow pace, just enjoying the time I had. I was in no rush, stopping every now and then to scribble some notes down. And there weren't many people around. There were a few people ahead of me, no one behind me. And I was just... As I was walking, every now and then, I would just have a little look around just to see what was happening, see who was there. Again, the people were ahead of me, no one really behind me. I was quite a way around, and I looked behind me, and where there had been no one at all, only a few hundred metres behind me was a man. I have no idea how he had got there. Every time I'd looked around, there'd been no one there. It's like he had just appeared out of nowhere, and it, it surprised me. Well, kind of kind of shook me a little bit I wasn't quite sure what was happening at all but I carried on on my walk I went through through one of the gates I closed the gate and I carried on walking and then it wasn't that long until I heard the gate open and close behind me so I turned around and the, the man was there he was even closer than he had been before so I thought well I'll just tuck to one side I'll keep going at the pace I'm going and when he comes through he's obviously going faster than me he can come through when he's ready and a little bit of time went by and he still hadn't come through A little bit more time went through and he still hadn't come past. So I thought, well, this is a bit odd. I would have thought he would have come through. So I turned around to see where he was. And as I turned around, I couldn't see him anywhere. And there's not many places where you can detour. There's not really anywhere you could detour. Not many places that that you'd be hidden. And it was like he'd been there one minute and the next he was gone. And I could not for the life of me understand what was happening. I could not see him anywhere. And it didn't scare me, but it unsettled me somewhat because I just couldn't work out what had happened. And I continued on my walk around every now and then looking around just to see if I could spot him. And I couldn't. And I was still just feeling a little bit unnerved by what had happened, a little bit unsettled by it. And then there was one time I looked around and I spotted him far off in the distance. And I think what had happened, he'd been on a run, he turned around and made his way back. And I just hadn't been able to spot him when I'd looked before. But in seeing him, I was able to make sense of what had happened. And where I'd felt unsettled, I suddenly found uh, that there was peace of mind that came about. It wasn't something that was going to keep me awake at night. If I'd never seen him, if I'd never worked out what had happened, it wouldn't have, have kept me awake. But we can go through events or we can go through seasons that leave us feeling unsettled. 
or, or our hearts troubled, where we're just trying to make sense of what is going on, trying to understand what's happening. And maybe that you can relate to that even as you're listening to me speak now. In the series that we're in, we're looking at some time where Jesus is with his disciples. We've called this series Hope for Troubled Hearts because Jesus is with his closest friends. And it's the night before he's going to be taken away and crucified. He knew that that was laying in store. And he's with his friends and he tells them, actually, he's going to have to go. He's going to have to leave them. And in that moment, their hearts are troubled. They're burdened. They're unsettled. They don't understand what Jesus is saying to them. And then in chapters 14 to 17 of the Gospel of John, that's what we've been looking at. And it's in these uh, chapters where Jesus speaks hope to them. He speaks peace to them and it starts off in chapter 14 this is where we started our series with Jesus saying let not your hearts be troubled believe in God believe also in me and then Jesus goes on to again to speak comfort to them to speak hope to them he's telling them some of what is going to happen giving them an idea of what is going to be happening says he's going away but they will see him again that he has to go because he's going to prepare a place for them in the father's house that he has to go, but in him going, the Holy Spirit will come. And actually, that's a really good thing for them. We've been looking at that and more over the course of these series over previous weeks. And we're going to be picking up now from, we're in chapter 16. We're going to be reading from verse 25. And this is what Jesus says. He says, I have said these things to you in figures of speech, but the hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. And his disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you, and this is why we believe that you came from God. And Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. I don't know if you noticed there in that last verse where Jesus speaks about them taking heart because he's overcome the world. It's like we've come full circle from that first verse in chapter 14 where Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. And everything that we've looked at over the weeks before has kind of been, been is, is encompassed by that call for their hearts not to be troubled and for them to take heart. And in these verses that we've just been looking at, just been hearing, Jesus continues to speak hope and peace to the disciples. That's what he has been doing throughout that evening where they've been together. But up until this point, he's been speaking in a way where it's veiled somewhat. This recognition that they, they won't understand the full details of what is actually going to, going to be happening. It's not something that they could comprehend. It's something that would be too burdensome for them at that point he's held back from detail about what's ahead of him he knows that the crucifixion awaits him he knows 
that he's going to be crucified, but he knows that he's going to going to raise again to life through his resurrection. But he's not shared the details of that yet. It's not been the time they wouldn't have been able to understand. But he will be back with them again. And in the coming back, that's when things will start to become clear. It's at that point where in the light of the of the crucifixion and in the light of the resurrection, as the disciples would have walked that through and would have witnessed that for themselves, then Jesus will be able to say those things that I spoke to you about before. Now look at that in light of what's happened. Look at that in light of what I've done. And then it will start to make sense. Then they'll be able to comprehend and to understand what Jesus had been saying to them. Then he will be able to speak plainly to them about those things. You know, going back to me on my walk, it was when in the midst of feeling unsettled and unsure of what was happening, it was when I saw that man, I was like, oh, okay, now I can make sense of what is going on. Now I can see what's happened. But in even greater measure to an even greater degree for the disciples, for Jesus' friends, where they when they saw him again, it's like, okay, then things will start to become clear. You know, Pete, last week when he was sharing with us from the verses uh, that uh, preceding these, Jesus was was saying to his disciples, he's like, look, you will see me again. And in that moment, what has been your your deepest and greatest sorrow will actually be be the reason for will become your your greatest and deepest joy. When you see me again, you'll have a joy that no one can take from you. See, whatever hope they can have, whatever joy they can know, whatever peace they may be able to rest in it is rooted in, in the person and work of Jesus in his life, in his death and in his resurrection, which is why in these verses that we're looking at and we're exploring today, when Jesus says, actually, the hour is coming when I will be able to tell you plainly, he's saying, that's when I'm going to be back with you. There'll be a time when I'm back with you, then things will make sense. Then you will understand. In that day, at that time, something is going to have changed. Something is going to have shifted in terms of their relationship with the Father. That's what, what, what we see in these verses that we've just read. Earlier on in our series, when we were in chapter 14, way back those weeks ago, in chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus makes this claim. He says of himself, he says that no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, he's not talking about himself as some sort of a bouncer or security guard, but actually as our, our great high priest who's made a way through his sacrifice. That's what his his that's what the crucifixion was about. As Jesus um, just uh, t- bore the punishment for for sin, he took our sin to the cross and bore that upon himself and died the death that we should have died. And he 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 took our place, and then he rose again to life, defeating whatever hold death would have over us. See, through his sacrifice, Jesus has made a way for us to know God. And the writer of Hebrews knew this when they said that because of Jesus, we can with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in a time of need. Because of what Jesus has done, we can come to the Father You see, what Jesus is saying to his disciples, what we've just heard, what we've just read, what Jesus is saying to his disciples is that, is that you can now come to the Father. In light of what I've done for you, you can now come to the Father. The Father, he's not standoffish. 
He's not reluctant to receive them, but now they can come to him. You can come to him because he loves you. It's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, you, you will have relationship with the father. You'll be able to um, uh, you, you'll be able to come. You'll be able to pray and ask things in my name. Uh, and know that this, the Father loves you. Why? Because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. We see there um, kind of, I guess, something of, of the fulfillment of what Jesus said much earlier in his ministry, where he said um, that whoever believes in me will not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in me, whoever recognize me for who recognizes me for who I am and puts their faith and trust in me as the only way to the father they will have eternal life and it's what Jesus is saying now he's saying look because you have known me because you have loved me because you have believed that I was sent by the father you will have relationship with the father know that the father loves you it's through Jesus the father welcomes you This is eternal life. Eternal life is to know God and to know the one who he sent. And eternal life is not something, not only something that we receive at a later date, but it's something for the here and something for the now. And what Jesus is trying to impart to his friends here, what Jesus is trying to impart to his followers here is that he wants to impart something to us here and now it's not just about something to be received at a later time. Yes, we know we have an eternity with the Father. Yes, we know we have an eternity with Jesus. But actually, there's something for us in the here and the now. Something's changed. Something's shifted. In light of the crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus is able to say to his followers, look, now, because you, you love me and because you know that that, that God has sent me because of the work that I've done, because of what I've achieved, because of what I've accomplished through my death and through my resurrection. You can now come to the father with confidence and with boldness, knowing that he loves you and knowing that he welcomes you. I want us just to think for a moment about what Jesus was facing on that evening. He knew what lay ahead of him. He knew that the next day he was going to be executed, that he was going to be crucified. He knew that on that day that he would be uh, that, that he would be um, just bearing the, the, the punishment, uh, paying the penalty that, that we deserved. He would have been he would be taking that upon himself. He knew what lay ahead of him. But where was his concern? His concern, it appears, is not for himself, but it's for his friends. It's for his followers, it's for his disciples. And in these these hours that he's with them, in these final hours that he's with them, his burden was to impart or to solidify within his followers peace, hope and joy. That's where his concern was. That's where his heart was. And as much as the disciples might have claimed to have understood what Jesus had been talking to them about, they might have claimed that, yes, they understood it now. Jesus knew that when his time had come, that they would scatter and that they would that he would be left alone. 
That's what happened. As he was crucified and as, as, as his body was laid in the tomb, they, they scatter to their homes and Jesus is left alone. Yet Jesus knew that whatever he faced, he wasn't on his own. Jesus knew that the father was with him as he always had been. The father was with him as he always will be. If we're wondering how it could be that Jesus concern was for his friends in that moment and rather than being concerned for himself, I think that this is a significant part of our answer. It's because he knew that whatever faced him, he would not be alone because the father was with him. He knew that there was security, there was surety within that. And because of what Jesus has done, and this is something that the disciples would come to understand in that day as Jesus came to uh, reveal to them um, that, that they could now have uh, have relationship with the father. In light of that, this is the this is the reality in terms of knowing that we would be, never be on our own. That's the reality that we can know, too. Whatever situation we're in, no matter how troubled our hearts become, however uncertain our future feels, we are never abandoned. Sometimes we might feel like we're on our own, like there's no one with us, no one who can understand, no one who can help us, no one who will be with us. But the scriptures, they tell us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That's a promise that he's made. And so just as for Jesus on that on that night where he knew what lay ahead of him, he was able to have his concern for his for his friends because he knew that he would never be on his own because the father was with him. So he has opened up a way. He has made a way for us to have that same sure, that that sure knowledge, that sure realization, that sure reality that whatever is going on, whatever situation we are in, we are never abandoned. And so we come full circle. As we've journeyed through chapters 14 through 16 up until this point in our series. Again, just to remind you, chapter 14 started with Jesus saying, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then now as we read the last verse of chapter 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. You see, we, we've come full circle. TJ Timms is a, he's a pastor from Emmanuel Church in Nashville in America, and I found him really, really helpful uh, when, um, when preparing for this series and looking at these chapters and Speaking about that verse in particular, verse 33, he said that in this verse, we see that it is possible to be in two places at once, to be in the middle of a storm and resting in the peace of God. In the world, you will have trouble. It's something that we will all face. You will face tribulation. You will face difficulty. You will face trial and we, we just look around us and sometimes we don't even need to look that far to see sickness 
and suffering and injustice, persecution and death. You know, sometimes we and often we talk about sin in terms of relationally, in terms of how it is fractured and broken our relationship with God. And that's absolutely true. That is absolutely true. And that's what Jesus came to, to restore and to reconcile. But sin didn't just break relationship. It also broke the world. And so we're seeing, when we look around us, we're seeing the consequence, if you like, of our sin. Of, we're seeing the consequence of sin in the brokenness and in the sickness of the world. And it's something that we all face. It's something that we will all endure. It's something um, that we will all experience. But take heart. But let not your hearts be troubled. Why? Because Jesus has overcome the world. See, on the cross, Jesus dealt with the problem of sin. Which means that sin has no hold on us. It means that death has no claim on us. It means that we are free to enjoy relationship with God. It means that with confidence we can come near to the throne of grace, knowing that we will receive mercy and find grace and help in a time of need. Jesus has dealt with the problem of sin in that in the relational aspect of it. But actually it's fuller than that. Jesus uh, has, has overcome the world. He's dealt with the, the with sin, which is the root problem of it all, of all the brokenness that we see, all the suffering that we see, all the tribulation that we see. Because we know that Jesus will one day return and make all things new. The question that that might raise for us now is, well, why doesn't that happen now? Why hasn't he returned and, and made all things new? Why, if Jesus has overcome the world, do we still see the things that we see in the world around us? Why do we still experience the, the suffering that, that we experience or experience the, the tribulation that we experience? Why doesn't he why doesn't he make all things new now? 2 Peter 3 verse 9, I think, gives us an answer, at least a good starting point to answer. In, in there, it says that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. Speaking about Jesus coming again, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. We're in this period of time. Jesus will return. Jesus will make all things new, but, he, but, but God is patient with us. It's his heart that none should perish. It's his heart that, all, that, that there would be many that would repent and uh, enter into his kingdom. And we're living in that time now where actually what's happening is that God is, is ushering people into his kingdom. He's being patient. He's in the sense he, he's holding off because he wants many, many people to enter into his kingdom. And we've been called to play a part in that as well, haven't we? We've been called to make Jesus known. We've been called to be those that make disciples in this period where actually God is displaying his patience to his creation. He's displaying patience to those that he made and those he loved because it's his heart that many, many, actually it's his heart that, that none should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So we're in that time, actually, there's an, an ushering in 
in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trial. There will be a day when he comes back. But actually, this is a time where, where though many are being ushered into his kingdom. Let's use this time well to make Jesus known. Let's give ourselves to that mission that he's called us to. So we can take heart because and we're not to be troubled because Jesus has overcome the world. See, we will, we will face tribulation, but we may have peace. One is a certainty. It's a certainty that we will experience trial and tribulation and difficulties. The other is an offer. If you like, it's an, an invitation that is open to each one of us. But it's an offer that we need to decide what are we going to do with that. See, Jesus wants his people now to be free from anxiety. And he promises to impart his peace to us. In me, you may have peace. TJ Timms, again, who I mentioned a moment ago, he said that there are things in the world that will cause us to be afraid. The question is, will we take heart in Jesus? Because he wants to deliver heaven's peace into our experience right now. It's what Jesus spoke to his disciples on that evening. It's what Jesus continues to speak to us. There's that offer, that invitation of peace in the midst of the storm. In the middle of the storm, we can rest in the peace of God. Just very quickly, you might be thinking, well, what, how, how does that happen? What does that look like? How can we enter into that peace? How can we enter into that rest? I want to suggest a couple of ways. The first is this, is that we enter into it through Jesus' words. Jesus himself, he said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the words that he spoke, we've got the scriptures. The scriptures reveal to us uh, God's, God's story. There, if you like, there are inheritance. And so actually there's peace available to us. We can know the peace of Jesus as we reflect upon his words and as we allow ourselves to, 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 to feed on them, if you like. If we allow ourselves to, to be nourished by them. So we have the word. Let's, let's give ourselves to the word and allow that to speak peace to us. But remember as well what Jesus was saying to his disciples. He says, now you can come directly to the Father in prayer as well. I've made a way for you to come to the Father. In Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, says that actually one of the ways in which we know peace is through prayer. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So let's give ourselves to the word and let's come in prayer, knowing that we can come directly to the Father. Knowing that if we have anxieties or worries, we can bring them to him and know that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will be ours in Christ Jesus. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you 
Lord, that in the midst of storms, we can know the peace of Jesus. Thank you that you sent your son to die in our place, to raise again to life, so that we know that what happened to him, what is true of him, will be true of us also. Father, I pray that you would help us to take hold of that promise of Jesus, that we may know peace in the midst of whatever situation we find ourselves in. So, Lord, I pray for anyone today who is just who is experiencing tribulation, who is experiencing uncertainty, who is not sure about what is happening in their life at the minute for those who are suffering and in trial. I pray this morning that you would come and that you would bring peace to their hearts, that they would know the peace of Jesus, not just as that they, that they would know it in, in, as the reality in their lives. We pray, help us to be a people who come quickly to you with our anxieties and our worries, knowing that you will exchange them for your peace. Lord, I pray that as we delve into your word, that again, your peace would come upon us. And Lord, we thank you that all of this is possible because you love us and because you sent your son for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. We're going to go and spend some time on Zoom together now. You would be so welcome to join with us. But we hope uh, if, if you're able to join us there or not, we hope that you're able to come and join us again soon. Take care, everyone. God bless.